What is up, everybody? Andrew Richardson here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Roll for Persuasion, conversations with creators where I go out and I find awesome people in the D&D and the tabletop RPG community, and I talk with them about their games, what they're doing, and, uh, and how those games have influenced the creative and entrepreneurial efforts that they're engaged in right now. We've talked to lots of awesome people so far. We've got a very cool guest today, really excited to talk to, and we will get to him in just a moment. Some quick business. As always, um, you guys are awesome to engage with on Twitter, on Instagram, social media, so make sure you follow the show at Roll Persuasion on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, we always appreciate your reviews. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, Roll for Persuasion, leave us a review there. Also, podchaser.com is another up-and-coming review site. We've gotten some good reviews there. So please make sure, if you enjoy the show, to support us in that manner. Also, for the first time, I think, mentioning on the show, we have a Patreon. So if you appreciate what we're doing, uh, I have two different levels on there. You can go check it out, patreon.com slash rollforpersuasion. You can be a $2 level donor. And that is awesome because anything helps me out. But that way you can see a first look of upcoming guests. You can submit guest su- suggestions and just support the show. And at the $5 level, uh, I love to let you guys submit questions. So you will get that advanced list of guests and you will get to submit your own questions that I will ask on the air for our guests. And let me tell you, we have some awesome, awesome people coming up soon, going to be announcing on Twitter very soon, but some really, really cool people I think you're going to want to be engaged with. And if you support at that level for like three months, I'll send you some dice or something because uh, dice are cool and we all need more of them. But all that to say today, very excited for this guest. I've been trying to uh, coordinate time with him now for for several weeks, and we've we've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of DM tag on Instagram trying to line this up. So, Joe, man, I'm very excited to have you here. How's it going? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. Of course. So, Joe, you are pull the lever DM on uh, on the social media. Is that right? That is correct. And you are a professional dungeon master. You are, you are every dungeon master's dream. They they get to play. People show up because they're paying for it. And you get paid. That's how it works. And it's it's been a wild trip so far. I, I can imagine. So so how did you get into, into gaming generally, but D&D and RPG specifically? What was kind of your first introduction to sure, these games? Yeah. Uh, you know, I always like to brag. I, I kind of sort of had an unfair advantage. Uh, my parents met each other playing Dungeons and Dragons oh, in college. Really? So, and, and, you know, so growing up, a lot of our family time was clearing the dinner table, rolling the dice. My dad was a DM, my mom, my brother, my sister, myself, we were all the players. Um, and, you know, in their, in their defense, you know, they did put me in soccer camp and, you know, try to get me in on sure, some other sure. activities. Um, but I really was so interested in the game. Um, I, I come from a theater background as well. So that just kind of enhanced my, you know, storytelling abilities and my love for character right, building. Yeah. And I, I've been playing since 10 years old, you know, haven't stopped. So, that, so that's awesome. So that I, I think is not, you know, I don't want to say there's an abnormal experience, but most people I've spoken to kind of came to it on their own, kind of in their, you know, preteen, teenage years. Um, I certainly, I came to it much later. I'm very excited uh, to share it with, with my daughter. My wife and I both play. My daughter's 19 months old. Um, every time she sees some of our, our friends from our group come over, she's, she goes, dice, dice, dice. And so we got, <laughs> we got her these big foam, uh, like D20 and all this, and she loves rolling dice. So she, she's into it already. So I'm excited to get to share that kind of experience that you had growing up. No, that's that's fantastic. Um, and actually, in, in my personal group, one of my players, 
Um, he has two sons, uh, two young sons, and his older one is two years old. Um, and we just finished up a two-year-long Curse of Strahd campaign. Uh, so his two-year-old was kind of with us through that whole journey. Right. And once he was old enough to like sit down at the table and, and pick things up and kind of be engaged, he was, you know, grabbing dice and rolling them. He'd come back behind the DM screen and like point at my miniatures and be like, monster, monster. Um, and he even got involved on like, we had this little thing, whenever anyone rolled a nat 20, we would give like, you know, pointer fingers and go, pew, 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 pew. yeah, finger guns. Yeah. And, and, uh, the two year old would do the same thing, like with the group. So that's, that's awesome. awesome to hear that you should be getting those experiences too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was that like? Uh, what, what edition were you guys playing back then with your family? So we started in first edition because okay. that's what my parents knew. Sure, yeah. Um, and I still have all of their books, all of their modules, even a lot of their dice. I still roll myself. Um, so yeah, we started first edition, um, and then when I got to high school, three point five came out, and we picked up all of the books. Um, and at that point, my good friend Kyle started playing with us. A bunch of my brother's friends started playing with us, and we had like a group of like ten. Um, of just all of our friends that wanted to yeah. play. Um, and then when I got to college, it kind of down, 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 uh, wow, it kind of died down a little bit, um, until I got bored of not playing D and D sure, sure. and forced all my friends to do so. And that's kind of when, um, the end of three, five was really happening and fifth edition came out. Um, and since then we've been playing weekly, almost nonstop. Very cool. So it's so a professional DM. So so yes. at what point did you start thinking about, hey, you know what? I wonder if I could make money doing this or, you know, when did that idea kind of first come to you? <clears throat> sure. So in college and a little bit afterwards, I managed a comic book store in Chicago, uh, First Aid Comics. Um, great store, great people. And um, I started working there by asking if they had any D&D sessions, you know, any D&D, anything going on. Sure. And uh, the owner of the store, Tom, said, no, but if, if you would be willing to DM, you know, we could work something out. And uh, him paying me was my first kind of grab at it. Um, and that lasted a little bit um, and it kind of died down. And then about a year ago, um, Tom, the owner of First Aid, did a um, comic book talk for Yelp, um, about, um, diversity in comics okay. and his experience with that was very good. And he came back to the store afterwards and he said, Hey, you know, these companies are, are, you know, looking for this kind of team building exercises, this kind of like, you know, kind of breakout fun right, activities right. to do D D could be that. And with his help, I started pull the lever. Um, it's been, it's been about a year now since it's been going on. That's so cool. So, so corporate, like corporate team building. So is it like you all wake up in a tavern and there's a ropes course in front of you <laughs> and you all have to help each other, like cross the bridge, right? <laughs> like I, I imagine it's not like the full on corporate retreat thing. So how, how do you tailor a DM session or a D and D session pardon around that kind of corporate, uh, sure. especially for yeah, people no. who I assume have never played. Right. And oftentimes, sometimes they don't want to play, sure. you know, There'll be people like, oh, my boss is making me sit here and play this stupid game. Right. You right. know, um, but corporate D&D &D is definitely different than regular D&D because &D I had to come up with a way to market it, to sell it to a business for them to want yeah. me to come in and do this. Because otherwise it's them just paying for me to play games with their employees, you know. Right. So I wrote some custom content. 
Um, I, I really put a lot of thought and effort into it and made it more of a team building exercise that can highlight specific things that employers would want their employees to practice, like team, you know, teamship, uh, leadership, um, problem solving, creative thinking, um, custom encounters, custom sessions, filing um, HR complaints. Puzzles, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. What do you do when you have a problem? Employee, right. Right. You know? Um, but Bob really chooses ice really loudly. Roll, roll for <laughs> Roll for initiative. Let's go. Roll for, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so just working with the employer about what skills they want to improve for their employees and writing the session to fit that. Um, and then I also do like a post play report um, where I kind of take notes on the players like, you know, player A showed good shines of leadership by doing this, this and that. Sure. Um, and I give that back to the employer so they get something out of it, too. Um, but I would say more more common uh, pull a lever gets booked for groups of friends that want to play D and D and have never played D and D or are too scared to DM or are just looking for some good quality content. Um, I have a couple weekly groups. Um, I do a lot of one shots for birthday parties, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, random game nights. And it's a lot of fun. I've met some really cool people. That's, that's awesome. Jumping back to the corporate thing. Cause I, I can't get over this. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It's so cool. No, keep it going. Uh, keep it going. You, you meant, you mentioned like some of the people who, you know, maybe we're not into it at first or, or felt like they just like had to be there. Right. Have you, have you seen those people then over the course of a session? I, I don't know how long those sessions run, but over the course of a session at the end go, all right, you know, you got me. I think that was pretty it, fun. It doesn't take long to get someone to break and, and enjoy right. the game. Um, you know, I, I can kind of confidently say that I'm, I'm very good at table management. Um, yeah. I can understand where people are struggling or if they're not getting into it or if they don't understand something and I can use the game, use the mechanics, use the, the, the characters to like get them more involved. Um, there was one player I remember who just didn't understand role playing at all, didn't sure. understand how that worked. Um, and so I would just use kind of other players of the group who were good at it to like lead them through situations or I'll introduce a quick NPC that I can role play as to guide them through something right. or to like talk with in game or what have you. Um, so being able to identify that, being able to see, you know, who needs help and how to help them mid session is a, is a key skill to have, you know, at the corporate level to get people involved and have fun. You know, that's what it's about. Absolutely. So then doing it, you know, just for the different groups that you do, um, have you felt any sort of like strange, maybe not strange, but like a, um, a dynamic where people aren't sure necessarily how to relate to you as like a paid DM. So for instance, I think a lot of us play with friends, right? So we play with the D or, you know, uh, one of my best friends is our DM, um, uh, another game that I play in. I've become really good friends with the DM through the game, even though we were all kind of new to the table. Um, is, is there kind of a dynamic shift to get over during those first few sessions of where somebody's like, well, we, you know, everybody's kind of sitting, you're like the stripper that shows up to the, to the park. <laughs> well, Hey, uh, we, we paid for you to be here. Uh, do you want some pizza? Like, <laughs> So you offer your strippers pizza? That's well, I mean, really you know, nice. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever you're into. Um, yeah, no, there, there's definitely a little bit of that. Um, I have one group that I would say I'm a little closer with th- than others, um, to the point where yeah, I've been dealing for them for like maybe like six months or so. And I've, you know, got invited to their wedding sort of thing. Oh, awesome. Um, some people 
want that are, friendship. Are you going to charge them to be at the wedding? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a line item if, on the bill. If I'm bringing dice, there's right, a price sure. involved, you know. Um, no, you know, it, it really is dependent on the group and on the people. Some people do want a friendship and, you know, I'm kind of outgoing enough to want to sure, be yeah. friends with people and, and keep the group chat going even when we're not, you know, immediately playing or whatever. Um, but other people just want the DM part of it, you know, and, and, and that's perfectly fine. Um, also kind of just trying to understand people's play styles and what they want out of the game too. I have groups that are super heavy role playing. I have groups that are very, very rule intensive to the point where I'm flipping through my player's handbook in the parking lot or, you know, in their driveway trying to like make sure I know the rules down to the word for, for some groups. How does encumbrance work again? Gosh, darn it. Yeah. Flanking. Flanking (laughs) is always the thing that people get tripped up on in attacks of opportunity. Um, but I would say more so than not, people are, are more friendly and, and, and the kind of paid part of it almost falls to the wayside, you know, yeah. and, and there haven't been any problems so far, which I've been thankful for. Um, so, so yeah, I would say, I think it's becoming more normalized. Um, I see all the time on Reddit or Facebook groups or, or wherever people having these big debates about paid DMs. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think, you know, now more than ever, D&D is, is popular. You know, it's, totally. it's cool. You know, people want to know about it. More people than ever are interested about it. They want to get into it, but they don't know how to. And someone like me who's been playing their whole life and I've got every single thing you could ever want for the game. I could literally fill right. the bathtub with all my minis and extras. And I can provide a, a quality session for them um and teach them the game in a fun not stressful not intimidating way that you know that it works out that i think people are comfortable paying for that you know yeah and well and i think too like i I think sometimes like as players who you know who have a dm like me at least and i think some of the guys in our group are are hyper aware of the time that it goes into prep a session and so, you know, there's kind of that, like, why does this person keep doing this? Like, yeah, we're friends, right. but like, and so I, I would imagine there's also some level of comfort for like the player to be like, oh, okay, they're compensated. Like, like we're not just taking advantage of it, right, right. which you can yeah, sometimes no. feel like as a player, especially when your DM has just done like an awesome session. You're like, God, they must have spent like all week figuring right? that out. Yeah. No. And it's, it's funny too. Like you, you talk about, you know, like my time afterwards, I've gotten text messages at 2 a.m., from some of my polo lever groups like hey how did this what happened last session or how does this mechanic work for my character yeah. or you no know, so um yeah no it's it's happening 24 7 polo lever and and i like it too you know uh, another part of what i try to use polo lever um especially on social media on, on instagram and twitter is to be a resource for people um sure, obviously yeah. i i can't dm for everybody um especially since i'm just in chicago but i feel not questions with that attitude all- <laughs> i mean hey, hey. Yeah, i appreciate that uh i did just get a car so i'm um, oh, there, there you go. is mobile right let it be known soon to be international <laughs> the pole lever private jet one, right, day, right. one day um but um but yeah um I try to use my knowledge of the game to answer people's questions wherever I can. People DM me their questions. People comment me their questions. I try to post like tips and tricks about DMing, about being a player, about my personal experiences. Um, so I try to be a resource um, on and off the field too. Um, so whatever I can do, whatever pull lever can do to help people's gaming experiences, that's what it's there for. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and and I think that's kind of how I came across you actually on on Instagram. Either I think I saw you responding to a question somebody had on something, and then it turned out that someone else that I interviewed, uh, Dave at Smuggler's Coffee. Yes, he was like, we love you, Dave. You, yeah, he was like, you got to talk to Joe. Um, and so now my goal is to get up to Chicago and see if like you can run a game in his barrel room, so I can have you know the coffee smells and a killer <laughs> game with you. Um, that that's on my bucket list. Absolutely, yeah. no, we gotta have you. Yeah, Dave's a great guy, and and honestly, he's been a huge help to pull the lever. Um, him and I started talking last year around GaryCon time, late March. Um, and he has introduced me to people. He's gotten me on the scene a lot more, um, gotten my name out there. He set me up to do the the small fan con at the Hammond Public Library in Indiana, which was a lot of fun. And um, what I've kind of noticed, too, from DMing so much around Chicago and, and kind of the direction I'm trying to take pull a lever in is the D&D community in Chicago. You know, when you think sure. of D and D community, I, I think of L.A. Right? That's right, where yeah. the celebrities are. It's where the Twitch streams are, the live events, the charity auctions. It's all happening over there. Um, but for my, you know, last 11, 12 months of DMing all over Chicago and meeting Chicago D and D people, there's a community here, and I think it's untapped. And I think people yeah. are 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 longing to have something more localized to grab onto. Um, and recently I, I've linked up with the Chicago D&D Society guys who who's a great bunch of guys. Um, they're super passionate to the game, super committed to the community. And we've been talking a lot and, and trying to get stuff in motion. But I want to put Chicago on the D&D community map. Totally. That's that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. You know. Well, and, and, you know, at its core, at its infancy, Dungeons and Dragons was a Midwestern game, right? Like it started. I mean, yeah. in our north of where I'm sitting is where the game was created. Yeah. You know, and it's it, that's kind of lost to people, maybe. Um, and Gary Khan, which is every year has been getting bigger and bigger. Um, but but yeah, no, there there is a lot that could happen here. And I'm trying to just break it out. You know, that's cool. No, that that's awesome. And it's awesome to have like that kind of bigger plan that you're working towards too, right? Like not just, not just saying, no, oh, I'm DMing right now and that's great. But like, like what do you want to do that's bigger in the community that kind of like spreads uh, really the, this game that we love to more people. And like you said, kind of puts like your town on the map, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, being a paid DM is awesome. Obviously it's, it's an unbelievable dream to get paid to run games of Dungeons and Dragons. You go tell 10 year old Joe, who's sitting in his bedroom with right. his dad's player handbook, staring right. at the paladin and hell art for hours and hours, pretending that you're that character that I would be paid to run games of D and D. It's it's unbelievable. Sure, um, but it's it's all it's not my I guess total focus. You know, it, it pull the lever isn't my means of like paying my bills. I have a full time job, um, and just from DMing so much in Chicago, that's more of the direction I want to take is the the community aspect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any way I can get involved in the Chicago community is 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 what I'm looking for. That's awesome. So so how many um, how many pull the lever games do you have going, or campaigns even at at, at any given time? I DM anywhere from two to five times a week. Wow. Um, How do you keep and track one of, those, of all that? Yeah, right. Uh, one of those is including my personal group, okay. um, my, my, my team that I've been with for the last five years. Um, you know, they're, they're my go-to. They're my, they're my fun team. Um, but yeah, two to five times a week. Um, and that's really sprinkled between 
consistent weekly groups, um, one shots here and there for like, you know, events like birthdays and bachelor parties and then the corporate sessions too. So are you typically running, is it all homebrew? Are you running, um, you know, published campaigns? Is it really kind of up to the group? How, how do you figure that out? Yeah, I, I leave it up to the group. Um, all of my weekly groups were doing Wizards of the Coast content, uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, uh, Descent into Avernus. Um, those are the two ones I have going right now. Um, and then the one-shots, I have designed and written a couple homebrews to fill time slots, right? I've got like sure, a three-hour yeah. session, a four-hour session, a five-hour session, a six-hour session. Um, and, um, you know, I have those to the point where I don't have like any notes in front of me. Um, I'm just looking up and engaging my players the whole time. Um, and I'm also very extra with my setups. Um, I have all my 3D printed dungeon tiles. Right, I'm very right. fortunate enough to have a close friend who has a 3D printer. Oh, that can be like, that, that's hey, the man, up there, yeah. I need 22 dungeon tiles for <laughs> a, you know event I'm doing in three weeks. And right. he's like, okay, you know. <laughs> fine, um, fine. Right? Um, and yeah, I've got my, my miniatures and everything. And so I think my, my kind of setup, my, um, my, my display, my, um, immersion level, um, that I try to put forth, um, grabs a lot of people's attention too. Do you, do you typically like for your regular ones, are you going to somebody else's house? Do people come to you? Kind of how how does that dynamic work? Um, I nine times out of 10 go to the client's houses sure. um, or place of business or what have you. You can call um, them John's. It's fine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's good. Um, I've had a few times where I've been, you know, comfortable enough to bring my polo lever groups into my own home. Yeah. Um, at that point it's just like just easier to DM from your own house because sure. you don't have to carry 20 bags everywhere. Right. Well, and, um, and I asked that cause you have like a, you have a table set up, right? That's like the, yeah. the monitor under the, the screen. So players, I see yeah. you can like, do you actually yeah. run the maps on the table or, oh, or do absolutely. like dynamic content and all that? Yeah, yeah, no, the the digital table is set up. So, right, I live in downtown Chicago, so I have limited space. So I I got a table that could extend into, you know, a bigger table, built a table leaf to house a 32-inch screen TV that can just be set right in to play, you know, and then taken apart and stored away to save on space. But, yeah, when I'm home, I'm using that. And then when I'm on the go, I use my, um, you know, 3D printed tiles and miniatures and, and all that, so... It's a healthy mix of both. Yeah, it's also a tough play because I love building the encounter so much sure, with the yeah. uh, the setups and the the tiles and the terrain. But the digital maps are awesome as well. The level of detail they can do, the variety. Um, you know, you have those like three D, those like extra D maps that right, move and yeah. make sounds, and it's been it's been cool too. So best of both worlds. So on those one shots you were talking about that you you know kind of have timed out. Um, that you've really got down yeah. you know, where you don't need stuff in front of you has, how often do people surprise you at what they do? How often do you see somebody do something just totally new in one of those where you're like, Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. I guess we're going off the rails or, or <laughs> yeah, people I mean, tend to follow the flow pretty, pretty close. Almost all the time. Right. That's, that's half yeah. the battle of being a, a dungeon master is being able to respond to what people do to your sessions sure, um, sure which is why i when i prep a session i don't get into too much detail i have an overall goal 
um, maybe a few bullet points of like key things that need to happen. Um, but really, I try to encourage my players to tell the story as much as I tell the story. Um, and so, yeah, when I'm doing my one shot, my one shots, um, people surprise me all the time with stuff. And I think I'm, you know, kind of quick witted, experienced enough to bounce back and either keep them controlled and like engaged or let them do what they want to do, you know, yeah. depending on is uh, depending on what it is they want to do. So what, what has been maybe like a, like a standout memory, just like a, whoa, that was an awesome, you know, like the, the game or session where you're still thinking about it, like you can't sleep at night because you're like, oh man, I can't believe X, Y, Z happened. Have you had kind of any of those moments where just, it's just been like an awesome moment at the table? Absolutely. Um, there was one bachelor party I was doing um, and someone in the group was a rogue um, and the premise is that they had to like break into the cellar, go into this cellar type dungeon and recover, uh, you know, an item that they needed to save the town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rogue was trying to uh, break into a lockbox that was in the um, shop that was the entrance to the cellar. Um, and it was a classic case of what are the odds of those dice rolls, right? So right. the rest of the group are all lawful good, stumble upon the rogue who's being evil, trying to steal from the store. Um, and I had him roll, you know, a deception check versus a persuasion check for, you know, who's lying, who's telling the truth. And the rogue rolled a nat one and his, uh, his counterpart rolled a nat 20, right? So like <laughs> yeah. jigs up, right. you're done for. The rogue remembered that, oh, I'm a halfling. I've got lucky. Reroll that nat one. And he turns into a nat 20. Sure. <laughs> so then the two 20s roll off of each other, right? right? And the rogue rolls another nat 20. And the paladin, I think, who was contesting, rolled a nat one. So That's just insane. completely like flip flop the table and people were, were going crazy about it. Um, it was it was pretty funny. Um, another like good like oh crap moment from behind the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my go-to, my kind of flagship pull-the-lever session, it's called the Tomb of, of Solomon Heartsong, and you kind of infiltrate this um, burial mound um, without spoiling too much for people that might play it in the future. Um, I have like one big encounter room, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of an intricate magical trap um, that a lot of people get stuck on that takes a lot of time. Um, but I had one group solve it almost instantly. Um, in like 10 minutes or so. Right. And I'm like, crap, they just took like an hour and 20 minutes and really cut it down into 10 or no, 20 No, you have to pull minutes. like an hour of extra game time just out of your right? ass. And, yeah. Right, well, and that's the thing too. Like I kind of have those moments throughout my custom content where I can plug in or take things out sure, depending yeah, yeah. on the flow and on the pacing or even what people want to do. Like if I have a group that is just wants to RP and, and wants to be their characters, I'll take out combat encounters and throw in more RP intensive session yeah. or, you know, encounters and vice versa. Um, so all my rooms kind of have, you know, supplements or, or add-ons as you know, you can call them right. um, to really cater to what people are doing or how fast or how slow they're doing it, you know? Um, so yeah, no players surprise me all the time uh, with what they do and, and what they come up with. Um, and that's a part of the game I love and, and a lesson I learned early on, um, that you cannot over prep a session. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I'm, I'm the opposite. So I, when we started playing, I DM'd uh, Fandelver for my group 
Um, sure. I'd never, I'd never DM before. We'd, we'd never played before. And, and I was like, man, like by the end of it, I was like, I don't want to prep anything. I just want to improv everything, which was fun for me. But, but I think also like, you know, then that's kind of doing a disservice to your players. So I, I think as, as a DM, there's kind of that balance, right? Of like, how much, how much can I have prepared that I can like give to them that, that is like ready and shows, you know, thoughtfulness and prep. And then how much, you know, can I be prepared myself to just kind of go off the rails and, you know, goofy everything. Um, and it's a hard balance. Like it's really hard balance to, to kind of it find, really is. find yeah. that, and that middle ground. The defining moment for me um, was with, with my personal group. So it was a homebrew campaign that ended being like three years long. But on the first session, right, they were in this town. Uh, the mission for the group was to um, capture this like Robin Hood-esque pirate, right? Yeah. Uh, to capture him, bring him in, collect the bounty, right? And originally I had prepped that they would meet the guy, Captain Nico is his name, and that they would, you know, join up with his crew because they weren't strong enough to take him on by himself and or by themselves. And they would go like five sessions aboard his ship learning his ways behind enemy lines and eventually right. capture him when the time was right. I kid you not, the first time they met Captain Nico, they assaulted him <laughs> and captured him and took him to collect the bounty. And here I am with like six pages, ten pages, three, four sessions worth of like notes and content that I'm about to like drive them through and they just take care of it right away. That's you when know, you just because... deadpan face, start slowly ripping up papers, close your books, <laughs> just get up and leave and never come back. Exactly. You're like, all right, we're done. You, know? <laughs> you guys did it. Great game. Thanks for coming out. Oh, uh, see you next time. But yeah, that was really the time uh, that I learned that you, you can't over prep, you know. Sure. So I think, um, you know, having an understanding of like the big picture, the overall goal that needs to happen um, is important. And then having key moments along the way that you can plug in depending on the different situations that are happening. Sure. Um, yeah. At least that's what works best for me. Um, so my notes now are a lot less intensive and more like bullet points of key moments. Right. Um, and when they kind of happen naturally in game in session is when I'll introduce them. Totally. Yeah. So jumping way back, uh, something that I just kind of thought of. So you grew up playing, um, was that like 90s, I assume? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so kind of tail end of, of the whole, you know, satanic panic thing. But um, was that ever, like, was that ever something that you experienced maybe like telling friends when you were fairly young? Like, oh, yeah, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, well, my parents say that's the devil. Um because because I feel like more often than not I hear kind of that story like people didn't know how to handle me playing D and D and here your whole family's doing it right right yeah no a lot of our neighbors always closed their shutters and doors whenever you know we started playing D and D no I'm joking right right when, um, when, when you put but, like uh, the burning pentagram like in the yeah, in the front yard right? <laughs> <laughs> no one ever let us borrow a cup of sugar I don't right, know it's why. so weird um so yeah you know I feel like you hear about D and D in the 70s and the 80s when it was a satanic cult or whatever and then you right. hear about it now because those are the two times it's been I guess popular sure, sure and in the in between there's really there wasn't a lot going on for the game yeah um, you know I would tell my friends that I was playing Dungeons and Dragons they'd be like what is that you right. know what I mean they yeah. would have no idea um, <clears throat> I mean I remember me and my good friend Kyle like we had our weekly session with my family, with my dad's DM and all our friends. 
and that just wouldn't be nearly enough for us. We would do one-on-one D&D in his basement where he would DM and I would play, and then we would switch the roles. We were playing Baldur's Gate over and over and yeah. over again. I mean, we would go to Barnes & Noble a couple times a month to see if any books dropped out, right. whether they be novelizations, source books, I mean, anything. And it, they would be you know, long spans of time before any content was released. And now you can go to Target and get a mug that says Dungeons and Dragons on it. You know what I mean? Right, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's unreal. Um, but yeah, no, growing up playing D&D, it was very much just my own personal interest that not a lot of people shared. And I was fortunate enough that my parents, my brother, my sister also liked it. Um, and yeah. we could do it as a family, you know, I mean, I got trouble in eighth grade for reading my first edition player's handbook in science class, right. you know, I had my teacher come to be like, what are you reading? He'd be like, where did you get this? Yeah. You know? Um, oh, and, uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I, I could not get enough of it. And there was a serious lack of content and a lack of interest, frankly, for it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and it's funny even now, like, you know, my mom is, is my mom still plays, um, yeah. She was actually involved in my two-year-long Curse of Strahd campaign. Oh wow, that's um, awesome! She jumped in about halfway, um, and I, you know, I asked my group, "Hey, do you guys care if you know my mom comes hey, to play?" My and mom like, come? Oh, Is that cool? Yeah, hey guys, she, she'll make cupcakes, um, <laughs> which she did like almost every week. So, <laughs> so they <laughs> they grew to like her very quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was funny because they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, we'll help her and like teach her the rules <laughs> right. and make sure she's comfortable." And I'm like, "Guys, her last character was an assassin rogue who literally like I still have her first edition like written note card contracts right. that she made with other players that would say, "I'll lend you a thousand gold and you pay me back with twenty percent interest, or right. if you die, I get all of your treasure." Oh man! Like so, she's cutting throats and making. <laughs> deals and right. I'm, they're just like holy cow like your yeah. mom like knows what's up yeah um and she ended up playing a cleric for curse of Strahd and was really just the group mom yeah which was nice to have in the middle of barovia when sure. Strahd is hunting you around every corner uh a group mom comes in handy um but yeah no i mean a, a much of my life and and continuing my family life still revolves around D D. you know that's so great I, uh, I had a session, one of my pole lever group sessions, had their very first dragon encounter. Um, this this is a brand new group of like all new people, and they fought their first dragon. And it was a tough fight. I didn't pull any punches because I kind of wanted to show them you know, what a deadly encounter right, really looks yeah. like because they really haven't had that experience yet. Um, and I, I texted my mom afterwards, hey, you know, this group. Um, she made them cookies one day, so yeah. they, always, they always ask about my mom. Yeah. Um, and they're like, hey, you know, they fought the reverse dragon and they almost died. And she like yelled at me. <laughs> she was like, you need to be nicer to them. Like, <laughs> don't send dragons at them if they're oh, not man. ready. And I'm like, sorry, mom. And... That's that's so good. Right? <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> so the uh, you did, I think it was last week. You mentioned it before, but you did an event um, at a public library, right? Yes. So, so what, what was up with that? Like, like what went down there? How, um, how did you get involved and kind of what all happened? Sure. Yeah, it was the Hammond Public Library first annual fan fest um, in Hammond, Indiana, um, and I got brought on board from Dave at Smugglers. Uh, he's kind of located in that area, and he mentioned to me that they were looking for a dungeon master for the event. Yeah. That they had some interest of people 
that wanted to play D D. So I said, absolutely, you know, I can come out and do that. So I ran one session, uh, one three-hour session, and I also had a, a booth, a table, a, a vendor booth, yeah, um, set up right next to Smuggler's Coffee. Um, and um, I have a still a very close relationship with First Aid Comics in Chicago, where I used to work, mm-hmm. and the owner there. And so he was um, kind enough to like give me a bunch of D and D product. Books, miniatures, dice, stickers, stuffed animals, just all this awesome stuff. And uh, my girlfriend, it was a huge help and ran the table while I was kind of, you know, out on my sessions, working yeah. the floor, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and so we got to sell a bunch of D&D product to people who kind of like didn't have that stuff, you sure. know, readily accessible to them. Yeah. You know, in Chicago, there's gaming stores and comic book stores, you know, in every neighborhood. But, right. um, you know, in some places, it's not as easy to get your hands on or even ask questions, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was it was awesome. And, and Hammond Public Library ran a fantastic event. I, I got to give them a lot of credit. Um Working at a comic book store for six years, I've been a part of a lot of comic cons, a lot of conventions. Sure, sure. Uh, ran ran booths at C two E two, which is like the big Chicago yeah, comic con, yeah. uh, and they they put on a, a really good event. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, got to meet a lot of people, got to answer a lot of D and D questions, got to meet some of my followers actually too. Oh, that's um, awesome! That's which was cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, and kind of like a a big moment for me almost. Yeah. you know. You know, I, I think I have a pretty modest following and I try to be as, as engaging as possible. But when you get like see someone face to face, I was like, hey, like I follow you on Instagram. Like we've talked a few times. Yeah, like, yeah, like absolutely. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then just meeting other people again, like the, the community aspect of it. Um, I, you know, I was handing out my business cards left and right and I had some other People from other libraries are like, hey, how do I get you to come to my library, to my convention? Um, I had one comic book store that was like, hey, can you run sessions at my store? Like, you know, they kind of sat in on my session like that was awesome. Like, how do I get you? Um, So, again, like the networking, building that community base, getting people together for the game is is a great experience. And so very thankful that that Dave from Smellers Coffee was able to, to get me in on that. And I was thankful that he was handing out samples because it was <laughs> for <long>. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needed it to, uh, to keep you fueled. Right. So do you have time in the midst of all the games you're running and prep you're doing? Do you have time to like consume any, any content in the community, like any actual plays or any, any shows? Um, you know, it's funny. I really, I haven't listened to, listened to any, um, um, critical role to any adventure zone. Yeah. Um, because it was kind of getting to the point where so much of my free time and extra time is D&D involved right. that I didn't need any more. You know <laughs> sure, what I mean? Sure, yeah. You kind of hit, hit, hit your quota at some point. Where you're like, Which right, is something yeah. I thought I would never be able to do from you know never having right. enough D&D to almost having enough D&D. Um, but I think I'm, I think I'm ready. Yeah, I've been kind of, yeah. I've been kind of thinking about it, and, and I think I'm ready. Um, if anything, you know, so many of my players are involved in those shows and those like sure, extra sure. things that just to understand references would be good for me. Right. Um, but also to learn too. You know, I've been so set in my DMing ways for so long. Yeah. And um, you know, th- there's all these new DMs out there now and all these talented DMs out there that I could I could learn and become a better DM for my players, for my groups, for Polo Lever, uh, to be a better resource. Um, I just picked up um, that book. Um, 
what's it called? Like the monsters are smart too. Yeah, I want um, that. I was talking to someone about that the other day. Like yeah. I don't DM, but I want it. It looks like yeah, a great book. I, yeah, I haven't been able to crack it open yet. I am planning on this weekend. I'm going on a little trip and I'll have some time to. Um, but like, I mean, that is a, a, a source book that I never thought would ever exist, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is something that every DM should read. And obviously I haven't read it yet, but I, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be um, valuable information to make me a better figurehead in, in the D and D community to be a better DM totally. or resource people. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm now kind of, now that I'm comfortable with pull a lever and I, I kind of have it figured out and I know the direction I want to take it. And I'm starting to like reach out and grab onto other things, other people's resources, right, other people's right. uh, projects and get involved that way too. So, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm sinking my hands into it. Well, let me, let me put one on your radar in case if you haven't heard of it, um, I actually just interviewed one of the cast members a couple weeks ago uh, for a show, um, Dungeons and Daddies. Is, you heard that yeah, episode. You heard that. Okay. I commute this morning. <laughs> yeah. It, the the funniest D and D podcast that you will ever find. Um, I highly recommend it, and it's only like twenty episodes in, so you're not doing like a three hundred episode critical role catch up. So sure, um, sure. Yeah. No. no that, yeah. Beth was fantastic. She is hilarious, and and the whole show is just fun and wholesome. And uh, and their DM Anthony Birch is. Um, is like really fa- fantastic and really kind of a different style from I, I think of what you see from a lot of like streams these days sure. as far as just kind of thinking on the fly. So definitely check that one out. No, I will absolutely put that on my list. And I'm actually been kind of thinking about getting Pull a Lever involved in, in podcasts of its own too. I, I do have a lot of people who ask if I have any you know, online content like that. Yeah. Um, I actually just signed up for a podcasting class in Chicago just to kind of like learn the basics because i really have no idea what it takes to do what you do um and that's okay I don't, on... I don't either so <laughs> well you fake it well because <laughs> that's, that's the whole I was, trick i was sold you know you got me <laughs> i'm here um you know and, and i think that's something i absolutely want to get involved in for pull a lever um and you know i kind of like your your approach to it you know there aren't a lot of shows that just talk D D. you know a lot of them sure, is, yeah. is playing D D. um so i think you know, again, with me trying to use pull lever, trying to use myself as a resource to people that I might be able to put on a podcast, you know, in, in that respect. Um, so, so yeah, you know, a lot of things I think coming out the gate for, for pull the lever and myself. That's awesome. And there's really no better time than now, like you're saying, I mean, the game is at such a high level of popularity. The internet has enabled us to have community literally worldwide. Um, you know, people that previously might not have been accessible, um, are now essentially at your fingertips. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity for people to put themselves out there. Um, so anyone out there, if, if you want to be a creative, if you are a creative and, and you're thinking about starting something, just do it right. Like now, 100%. now is the time, like there's no reason yeah. not to. I absolutely agree with how popular the game is. There are more people now than ever that want to be a part of D&D, um, and there can't be enough outlets for it, you know? Um, so I would definitely encourage people. Um, I mean, just just in a year of Pull the Lever, it's grown more than I thought it ever would, you know, in terms of people I've met, um, you know, the community I'm slowly starting to build, um, and really just discovering Chicago as, as a potential D and D hub. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm really hoping that with, with myself and, and the guys at the Chicago D and D society, um, that we'll be able to give a lot of good content, a lot of good community presence to our hometown. 
uh, to the people who are here and people who are looking at us too. Um, you know, and, and I'm really looking forward to to what can come from that, big time. That's awesome, man. Well, where can uh, where can people find you? Where can they check you out if they are in the area or, or even somewhere else and they want to get a hold of you for um, a game or for information? How can they find you? Yeah, um, Instagram. You can find me at pull the lever DM. Uh, my Twitter is at leverpull, um, which just sounds like a funny, you know, I don't know, just sounds like a weird sure. thing yeah, sounding. Yeah. <laughs> leverpull, sure. Um, and also feel free to email me too. Um, pull the lever DM at gmail.com. I'll field any questions or if you're interested in booking or, or anything at all. Um, reach out and let's talk some D and D. Well, that's awesome, dude, and and best of luck. So, so again, if you're getting married in the Chicago area, even if you're not, you know, flying to Chicago, you know, zip into O'Hare, run it, run over, run a session, and, and head out. Um, I, I personally, I, we were just talking with my group the other day about how cool it would be to do just a retreat, like get away, you know, family vacation where we just spend like a weekend or whatever somewhere. We find someone to DM, and you know, we're playing like like six to eight hours every day. So, you know, we might have to make a Chicago our our hit list item to make that happen. Wait till summer because it sure. was negative 15 degrees here last week and I have run 17 hour sessions. So <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> oh man. Well, well, we'll, we'll definitely talk. Um, so thanks so much, man, for being on. I really appreciate it and best of luck. And I'm sure we'll be uh, talking again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad we were able to finally make it happen. Yeah, dude, for sure. For sure. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate you guys joining me here each and every week on Wednesdays, catching the latest episode of Roll for Persuasion. If you enjoyed it, please make sure you leave us that review on Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com. Support the Patreon at patreon.com slash rollforpersuasion. Follow us online, Instagram and Twitter at Roll Persuasion. And until then, guys, enjoy your games. 